Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there and they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire. That a man had risen from the dead. That he was alive. That death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. Welcome. It is Resurrection Sunday. And as we join many other churches, we say, He is risen. He is risen indeed. What a great day of triumph for us to lean into the understanding that Jesus has conquered death. And we celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday His coming forth from the grave and giving us life and giving us hope and giving us meaning and purpose even. And so we're so glad that you found time to join us today. And if this is your first time, we'd invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner or in the chat window and just let us know who you are and how we might be able to pray for you. Or if you have a question, we certainly would love to be able to try to answer that. And we hope this isn't your last time. Thanks for being with us. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you. And we invite you to use the digital connection card or leave a comment here in the chat so that we can connect with you if there's a question you might have or something we might need to know here in the office. But as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, a couple things I want to share. First, had a young friend, Nicholas, join us last week for Palm Sunday, and he put his artistry to work and came up with a very beautiful uh, palm from. And so I want you to just uh, celebrate how excited he was, and even in his cool glasses, as we uh, welcome Jesus again on that day when he came into Jerusalem. It began our Holy Week experience. And I want to share, too, this week as we were wrapping up the March of Prayer, there was a time on Monday where we gathered at the Jericho Wall, and you can learn more about that through a link here in the worship notes, but we consecrated the wall. Those that were there through a time of worship and time of reflection, then prayed over the wall for the next steps. Our kingdom ally, Pastor Paul Lintern, had a chance to spend some time with a couple key funding sources this week to present the proposal and to get their engagement. It was a good meeting, and we would ask that you would join us in prayer that God would bring fruition to that project. Again, please check out the website at jerichowall.info if you'd like to know more. So as we begin on this Resurrection Sunday, it actually started a couple days ago, right? Where Jesus was dying on the cross. 
then there was a moment as he hung there on that wooden cross where he looked to heaven and he simply said, it is finished. And he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then he breathed his last here on earth. And we know, according to the scriptures, that at that moment, the earth trembled and the rocks shook and the sky drew dark. The temple curtain was ripped in two. And the most beautiful thing happened, right? He offers up his life for us. And yet the disciples, as they moved through that afternoon and into Saturday and then into Sunday morning, they believed and they risked all sorts of things. And they left at that moment because they were terrified and they were crushed. And then hear the words of Scripture. Good morning. Today we will be reading John 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved gasping for breath. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloth lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went to the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept and knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot, where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Women, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was the gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary, turning to face him. She said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the Master! And she told them everything he said to her. And so on this Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It is the cornerstone of what we believe, of our faith. It is the proof, the crowning proof, if you will, that Jesus defeated death, that we have the death of death and what Christ accomplished for us, as the great Puritan John Owen said, and that nothing, and that is simply nothing, in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that comes to us because of what Jesus has done. 
Now, what's interesting, Scripture records 13 different uh, post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. He meets the women in the tomb. He meets the men on the walk to Emmaus. He interacts with his disciples a number of times. He encounters 500 of his brethren and shares with them his resurrection story. He shows up for a meal. He even takes the disciples fishing one morning. And then he takes them up to a mountain. And what's interesting is just before Jesus gives the Great Commission, here in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Did you ever notice that before? But some of them doubted. And I think that's an amazing statement when we give consideration to the fact that I don't know about you, but I think for many of us, there's a lot of doubt going on in our own faith journey. And I want us to lean into a conversation today about what to do with doubt. Because I think we've all found ourselves at a moment where you're full of faith, and yet, like these disciples uh, who had just walked with Jesus, who had just seen his death on the cross and just encountered him a number of times as being resurrected, there were still moments of doubt and uncertainty. And so as we think about this, we need to be reminded that there are times in our faith journey where we can be so close to God, he can seem so present to us, like right next to us here at the table, and we know that he's real and that we know that he's good, yet there can be moments where we can begin to question. We can go from being fully full of faith to where we're not quite sure. And yet it's interesting We can be in a church, in a room, in a worship experience where everyone is worshiping God, and we can be in a moment where we say, I really don't feel him. I don't sense him. I don't sense his presence. Or maybe there's a prayer that you've been praying, and you wonder when he's going to answer it. Or maybe there's some bad things that are happening in your world, some bad things that are coming across your life pathway, and you're just trying to understand why you, why now. And then even asking the question, is God real? And when we think about the season that we've been in, coming out of the pandemic and living into a a world that's much different, where churches continue to chase the Holy Spirit as we just finished up our 40 days of prayer to see how God might show up in our individual lives and also in our corporate lives, I think part of the reality is that for those that are leaving the church, I don't think they're leaving because they don't think that God is good. I think really it's that they don't feel like they can get answers to their tough questions. They don't even feel safe that they can ask questions. I want to talk on this Resurrection Sunday about why doubt comes into our life, why doubt is part of our faith journey. There's a couple reasons for it, I'm sure. First, there's questions that you encounter that you just can't answer. Or maybe you're in a situation in life that seems rather unfair in the moment and you're trying to figure out where is God going to show up. Or it could be that there's some hurt or pain that you've got that's unresolved. And for some of us as Christians, I think part of the issue is we don't bend very well. We tend to break when pressure comes. So I want to take a moment and just talk about families because I think that's part of the issue. We know that many of us have children that have grown up in the church, and yet there's moments as they read the scriptures that they find what they think is a contradiction or maybe it's because of their life experience, their friends, their, their network of peers, where they don't believe in who God is. And it could also be that a Christian has hurt them. 
I can't tell you how many times as I do the work in the jail, particularly where I hear about how someone offered judgment in a harsh way and how someone is like, I want nothing to do with those people called Christians. Or it could be as we read the stories in the newspaper of our spiritual leaders, pastors and church leaders that fall. They, they end up with some kind of moral failing. Or maybe it's even when bad things happen. What ends up happening in those moments is people break and they're not quite sure what to do with it. But what I want us to see on this Resurrection Sunday is that if we lean into our doubts, if we handle them properly, they can actually be a catalyst uh, to make our faith stronger. And so let's begin with this first big idea, that your faith is a journey, not a destination. And to be honest, I think the church, not just Linden Road, but any church needs to be a safe place where you can ask hard questions. Now, we do need to say that there's a difference between having faith and, and belief. So a couple definitions here. First, faith is a gift. It comes to us as followers of Jesus, and we're given a measure of faith as we walk in it faithfully. But belief, belief isn't the same as faith. In fact, it's interesting in the scriptures, the first to believe that Jesus was the Son of God wasn't the disciples. It was actually demons. James tells us, the half-brother of Jesus, in James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So it's important to see here that demons believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but they didn't have faith in that truth statement. So it's possible to have good theology, even right beliefs, but not have faith. Again, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's not grace through right beliefs, but rather it's about how we understand it through faith. As human beings, we build our beliefs about who God is over time. It is not a destination. It is a journey that we are on. And there's all sorts of detours that come at us because of what we experience in life. And those things can produce doubts. So first, faith is a journey, not a destination. And then second, the strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. In fact, the strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. Now, one of the people we know in Scripture who doubted, in fact, that was his second name, right, was Doubting Thomas. It's interesting in John chapter 20, he says, One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, also nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. So this is Thomas after the resurrection. So the statement in the original Greek, we've seen the Lord, is one that's active. It's We've seen him a number of times. They kept seeing him, in fact. So again, reading the next verse, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, as I said, we know Thomas as being Doubting Thomas, but I think one of the things that we misread him in so many different ways, I think that really Thomas is, like many of us, he had doubts and he had questions. And the beautiful thing is those questions do get answered. And I don't know about you, but I think too that I can relate to Thomas when I think about my life experiences, when I think about the hurts in life that I've experienced or the disappointments, or the stuff that I have to continue to walk through that's kind of messy, the questions that I've got for God. 
Uh, it doesn't make him a bad person. It just simply makes him human. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with these deeper questions that he's wrestling with. A great Christian scholar, Oswald Chambers, says this, Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking. Now, when we think about that, when we think about strength of character, the disciples, and we think about the strength of character and commitment they had, I want to suggest that Thomas's position in that list is at the top. Here in John chapter 11, we talk about the death of Lazarus. It says, so then he, Jesus, told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That's John chapter 11, verses 14 through 16. You see, it's amazing here that Thomas is going to lean in to the hard work. So in John chapter 14, a little bit later, Jesus says that he's going to heaven to prepare a place for you. And it's Thomas, the one that wants to know the details. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? You see, I think for Thomas's story, he just wanted to know for himself. And I think, too, when we think about our children and our grandchildren and their faith journey in the church, I think it's the same thing. I think it's a deeper kind of question. Uh, do we know where we're going? Can this faith that my parents have experienced, can it be mine, too? Now, what's beautiful here, when we look at Thomas, we know that what he wants to do is he wants to see for himself, to see for his own understanding these questions that he has. And what's beautiful is how Jesus responds to these doubts. So here in John chapter 20, verse 26, eight days later, now think about that, eight days later after the resurrection, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. You see, it's interesting, Thomas, even though he's doubting, and it's eight days later, he's still in the game. He shows back up, and he then gets to meet Jesus in a face-to-face -face encounter. And it's interesting in this account here in Scripture that Jesus comes to Thomas when he was in the middle of his doubting, and he, he gave him what he needed to know. And so what's amazing when we look at this is that in one moment he's doubting Thomas, and the next moment he's the shouting Thomas. And so too, we want to say that in these moments as we think about doubt and doubt in our own story is that our God is not distant in our doubts, yours and mine's. That Jesus is not some kind of standoff savior, that he's actually willing to be touched, and that Thomas places his hands in the nail holes and it places his hand in the side. And so what's amazing is at one moment, Thomas feels like he's far away. And what happens? Jesus meets him and actually reaches out to him. And I think what we need to be reminded of, no matter what we're pushing through, and I know some of us are pushing through things today, is that he's reaching out for us, that he's wanting us to be in relationship with him, and that we can ask the hard questions. We can wrestle with our faith. We can struggle and we can doubt. And so when we look at this, look at Thomas's story, and we look at just where we even find ourselves in our 
own personal stories is that the greatest doubters often become the strongest believers. And to be honest, when we think about life's experiences, we know that the devil will try to use doubt to drive us away from God. But we also know that God can use doubt to draw us close to him, to make us want to stand even closer to him when we don't understand what's going on. And what's beautiful here, Thomas and the other disciples, as we see the story here in Matthew 28, they are standing on a mountain. And so what does Jesus say? He says, go. He gives the great commission to go into all the world and take the gospel and to baptize believers. What's interesting is that Thomas, we know, preached Jesus and his resurrection faithfully. And we understand that he was martyred finally in India in 72 AD. So we want to see that because of Thomas's story, Doubting Thomas, is that our doubts, just like his doubts, didn't disqualify his faith. And I think, too, as we go back to our 40-day prayer journey and drawing the circle, we were reminded uh, by Pastor Batterson that, that we need to push through that it really is about finding God in those moments when life doesn't make sense. So I want to say also that faith isn't the absence of doubt, that actually faith is the means by which we push through whatever life is giving us. I mean, the most amazing scripture we know probably in this moment is one that we've all probably memorized, Psalm 23. What does David say to us? He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That's verse 4 of Psalm 23. Well, guess what? We do walk through valleys, and those valleys can be a shadow of doubt. But we need to be reminded that we walk through them to the other side, and that we don't let doubt be our dead end, that we keep walking, that we keep asking, that we keep searching. Even the idea of we keep circling from the most recent series as we talked about Hani and what he understood, how he demanded that God show up. But we know even, too, in his story that he had to get more specific in his prayers, and he drew a circle inside of a circle. He prayed a more specific way as he understood. It wasn't so much the rain he was looking for. Ultimately, he realized what he was looking for was the blessing of God. And so as we think about it, we need to keep walking and keep asking and keep searching and keep circling. And quite simply, we just need to show back up in these moments to lean into and to know that it is about coming to Jesus, coming to know him personally and a deeper level, to walk with him in these moments, to be reminded that our faith is a journey. It's not the destination. It is walking faithfully with him and being honest like King David did as we read through the Psalms. I have a young friend right now that's in detention, and I encouraged him to read through the Psalms, to look at the Psalms specifically, because there's moments when David is on the mountaintop and he's excited, and there's Psalms like Psalm 34 or Psalm 40, where he's not quite sure what to do with his life circumstance. And so simply, let me put it this way, is that if you have doubts, you need to come to Jesus. And if you're struggling with your life circumstance, we need to come to Jesus. If you're uncertain about things that are in your world and the journey that you're on, we need to come to Jesus. If there's questions you've got, you need to come to Jesus. 
and ask him and invite him in to give you the answers that you need in this life moment. If there's things that you have that are secret addictions, you need to bring those to Jesus. Come to him. Lay them down at the foot of the cross. If there's hurts that have come to you because of what the church has done, because of what somebody who names Jesus as Lord has done to you, you need to realize that they're imperfect and they're broken, but Jesus is not. In fact, Jesus was offered up as a sacrifice for you to bring about restoration. That we need to celebrate this resurrection of Jesus because of what it does for us. It is, as I said at the beginning, it is the cornerstone of our faith. It is the crowning proof that Jesus defeated death, that we have in him the death of death because of what he accomplished. And that most simply I can say to you and to remind myself that there is nothing, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us. And we say again, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful for your resurrection. We are grateful for the power that it gives us because of what you've done, the victory that you brought over death. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal us today for the work that you have ahead. And we just thank you for the promises that are sure for us as your people. And we pray it now in the resurrected name of Jesus. Amen.